0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. This article, the Taliban going door to door searching for Christians. Inspecting Phones for Bible Apps. That's the title of this news article. And it says, the Taliban has has a hit list of known Christians they are targeting to pursue and kill. The U.S. Embassy is defunct, and there is no longer a safe place for believers to take refuge. The statement from the leader of the underground church in Afghanistan reads, quote, people are fleeing into the mountains looking for asylum, unquote. The statement also noted that the Taliban are going door to door, taking women and children. The people must mark their house with an X if they have a girl over 12 years old. So that the Taliban can take them. If they find a young girl and the house was not marked. And this is why we're reading this when there's no kids in, in, in the sanctuary, because it want to be appropriate. Uh, they will execute the entire family, the statement added. If a married woman 25 years old or older has been found, the Taliban promptly kill her husband. Do whatever they want with her and then sell her as a sex slave. Uh, aren't you glad you live in America? Through fault or non-fault of anybody, (laughs) we're here. And that's a blessing right there. In a statement shared with the Christian Post, Rex Rogers elaborated on the dangers faced by Christians. We're hearing from reliable sources that the Taliban demand people's phones, and if they find a downloaded Bible on your device, they will kill you immediately, Rogers said. This is beyond smuggling Bibles into countries like this. You don't have to be caught with a Bible in your hand. They wanna see what's on your phone. And you and I both know you can't stop the gospel, but you and I also both know that the enemy is sure trying and they're trying to silence Christians And in many ways, they're doing a good job of it. The Taliban has also set its sights on Afghans who have demonstrated any allegiance to the U.S. over the past two decades. Tens of thousands of Afghans who worked with the American military as translators. Who were part of the government. Many of them are being targeted and executed. Um, We're going to talk about the persecuted church this morning. And if someone were to ask me, what do you think most Christians are going to do? when persecution tightens up? And my answer is, one side, I don't know, because we tend to give answers based on what we think we would do. But the other is, if you and I aren't witnessing now and if our church isn't witnessing now, what do you think we're going to do when the persecution tightens up? Answer, nothing. If we're doing nothing now, And we have abundant freedom, even though we can see how we're starting to lose some of that, even in the U.S. Um, And so all of these Christians, look, I'm not saying you're not saved if you don't evangelize. I'm not going down that road at all. What I'm saying is if you're not obeying the Lord in the command that he gave all of us to fulfill the Great Commission, we're not doing that now with the freedoms that we have uh, means we're taking it for granted. That's why we have a heart from the pulpit and an emphasis from the pulpit at our local assembly here is that we want to go out and reach the loss in any way that we can. And if we have freedom on the Internet, we're going to do it until they shut us down. If we have freedom on the streets, we're going to do it until they shut us down. And we have got to get the gospel out. We've got to pray for those that don't have the freedom that we have. um, And they're suffering for it. All right, Acts chapter number eight. Look what the Bible says in Saul, Acts chapter eight, verse one. Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. Now, the news article that I read you that I got out of of the Lord. um, And now this verse that we just read out of the Bible. Has anything really changed? The locations may change, the circumstances might change, but ultimately the heart of mankind, nothing really has changed. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house. Now, do you think he was checking their phones? (laughs) He wasn't checking their phones. They didn't have a phone app. All I'm saying is nothing has changed in the heart of man. And hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Saul, soon to be Paul, but not yet. We didn't get to chapter nine. Is the leader of this persecution in many ways. And There's two forces that will always be working hand in hand against the truth and get first Timothy chapter one. And I want to look at that together. First Timothy chapter number one. And the Bible says. Paul's testimony here, he says under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, he says in verse 13, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy, praise God for that, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And those two things will always be a hand-in-hand force against truth, ignorance and unbelief. And to overcome that well, we're going to see how we're going to overcome it. You probably already know um, it's through God's word and the power of the gospel. Romans 10, 3 says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Go to 2 Corinthians 4, if you would. Second Corinthians 4, go back a few books. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. Here's the solution. Verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. You see, that force is so strong, that force of unbelief. And it works so strong against gospel truth. But the solution and the answer is in the Bible right here. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, would shine unto them. Verse five is so great. I mean, it all is, but just how it lines up for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord and ourselves, your servants for Jesus to And that's what we do as we um, As some of you were involved in the outreach uh, yesterday, and as we move into some more outreaches toward the end of the month, we're preaching Christ, not ourselves. We are servants for Jesus' sake, and it's for His glory. And that light of the gospel is what we want to shine upon them. What's interesting, go back to Acts 8, or actually flip over to Acts chapter 9. Everybody's familiar, obviously, with Saul's conversion but uh, Look at um, The third verse I believe it is Yep and as he journeyed he came Near Damascus and suddenly There shined round About him a Light from Heaven I thought that was very fitting as it ties into 2 Corinthians 4 when it says Bless the light of the glorious Gospel of Christ We're shining light into a dark world And when you stand outside in front of a football stadium or inside a basketball gym or uh, any of the public events or down on the square and you're holding a sign and you're trying to speak to somebody, you're giving them a piece of paper that they get so irate about. You're a servant for Christ and you're shining some light into their life because it's been hid from them. And yes, even even here, even here, there's lost people that need glorious gospel. The other thing that is interesting, okay, so that's that's Saul in Acts 9. Suddenly they shine round around about him a light from heaven. We, we all know the story. We're in Acts 8 looking at how he persecuted the church, but go back to Acts 7. Let me connect the dots on what else I found to be interesting as we look at an overview of the church being persecuted. Uh, verse 58. And cast him out of the city that be Stephen and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. It doesn't say Saul was talking. It doesn't say Saul was participating. It doesn't say Saul picked up a a stone. In Acts chapter 7, it says Paul was watching. He's standing there watching. And he's finding satisfaction through what's happening to Stephen. And every expression in his face was showing approval. If you get two thoroughbreds, racing horses, and you put them at the starting gate, and they say, go and race. Which thoroughbred wins? The one that you feed. The one that's fed the most. You get one that hasn't been fed. You get another one that's been fed. You put them both on the starting line and say, Go. And Saul is standing there and he's watching and he's being fed. And you know what a lot of Christians do nowadays? They stand back and they watch and they're being fed. They're being fed false narratives from the news media. They're being fed false narratives from um, Laodicean churches. They're being fed false narratives all around this world. They're being fed that. And when it comes time for them to take action against somebody, guess who they're going to take action against? The Christian. Whatever you feed, you need. And if you feed yourself with that type of thing, you're only going to want more of it. And by the time you get to Acts chapter eight, which we, which we did, Saul's got a taste for blood. And his persecution of the church, it just dials hotter and hotter and hotter. But watch this. Acts chapter eight, look at verse number four. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad hid in their houses cowering because they were afraid of Saul right they went everywhere preaching we already that's it the gospel we already looked at the other verses they're not preaching themselves they weren't hiding in their basement trying to win an election i'm sorry <laughs> They weren't hiding in their basement Trying to not let anybody Oh, I don't want anybody to know I'm a Christian And they weren't running from house to house Oh can you hide me I don't Look I'm sure there's going to be a time and a place For that where we're eventually going to Get a knock on the door and it's going to be hey I'm a Christian Can you help me Yeah sure come on in I'm sure there's going to be a time and a place for that And, And I'm sure it is right now in some areas. So I'm not saying that. The point I'm trying to draw out is that. They're not cowering. They're being persecuted. The church is being persecuted. And we're finding out that it's growing. And you know what people that are going to do that are witnessing now. You know what they're going to do when persecution amps up. The same thing. They're going to start. They're going to witness more. And. And. If we don't do it when we have the freedom now, let's not fool ourselves one bit. We're going to do it when we really need to, whatever that means. So we see the church. You may you may think you may read it and say, oh, man, they're shattered. They're torn apart. No, they might have been scattered, but they're not shattered. They're thriving, thriving on persecution and praise God. The church. The church, despite what you and I might see on TBN or any of these Internet uh, sources, the church was not called to thrive monetarily. We were called to thrive and prosper spiritually. And that's why our message isn't God's going to give you a wonderful life. Although he is going to give you a wonderful life. It's just not going to be the wonderful life that you've got in your mind. I'm never going to fight with you know, any Christians. I'm never going to fight with my spouse. I'm never going to have a disagreement with my kids. Every day is going to be a Friday. We're going to have just a grand time. The house is going to be great. Church house is going to look perfect. And everything is just about, you know, pretzels and rainbows and marshmallows and sprinkles and candy. and It isn't going to be like that. A matter of fact, it's going to be like what we're (laughs) reading. Which is why when you got saved, you had a friend or you had a family member, just like I did, that didn't want anything to do with you anymore. (laughs) Because we're not called to thrive monetarily. We're, We're called to thrive spiritually. Spiritually. So I want us all Myself included We need to wipe out the term Nominal Christians in our mind we just Wipe that out In our heads that doesn't exist We are looking to shine the light of the glorious gospel And forget about patient endurance And get on board with holy action Okay <laughs> Now I say this because we've got some older folks in our congregation You've run your course when it comes to the door knockings and the street meetings and the running around the nation, uh, doing things for the Lord and, 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 and knocking the doors and, and handing out the tracks and all that. Your role. And it may be more than what I'm saying, but. You know, I'm not saying this is it, it has to be this way. I'm just saying it typically goes this way. Your role is to pray. We can't expect someone that's 75 85 almost 95 <laughs> to go out and stand out in front of a football stadium it's a blessing that you get up and come to church amen <laughs> so that's not what we're saying but you know what they can do pray because there's going to be a 20 or 30 or 40 or a 50 or a 60 year old that's going to be out there and guess what we need prayer And for the church to endure the persecution, it's going to need prayer warriors that are committed to, oh, that's right. I got that email. There's an outreach Saturday at 1230. I better be praying at 1230. And if we all find our role in the body, we can all play a part in getting the gospel out, even if you're not the hand that's giving it out, but you're the prayer behind that hand. And that's how a church family works. That's how a team works. And too many times we get distracted from the contaminations of this world. And we forget that this isn't. I know that we all want to come to church and get fed. I know individually we, we need to get fed. So I'm not saying throw that out. I mean, you know, that's normal. I think everybody has that expectation as a Christian. Um, I mean Nobody here takes their family out to Crackle barrel And says well you all eat I don't need to be fed Individually we we all need Nutrition right So we all want to get fed but what I'd like to say Okay so we recognize that But let's draw the lens back now and say okay We're still a team We're still a family we're still Biblical a body we have to function as such we have to have that mentality. It's not about us It's about Christ's body which we are part of Uh, Bibles it doesn't say go ye and reform the world. It doesn't say go ye and conquer the world It says go ye into all the world and preach The gospel we're not preaching social reform. We're not preaching politics. We're not preaching any of that. It's the gospel amen all right uh, back in Acts chapter 8 let's see here in verse number 5 we are on verse number 6 and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake hearing and seeing the miracles which he did well, right because context on verse five then philip went down to the city of samaria and preached christ unto them and the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which philip spake hearing and seeing the miracles which he did look look at the character here of philip he has well one he he's taking heed he gave heed unto the things with The people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. And hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Philip was just like Stephen in the sense in in Acts chapter 6. It says they were both men full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. So in many ways there's that. Well, there is that connection there. And notice again what his message was. He preached Christ. We talked about that. He didn't preach a denomination. He didn't say, well, come join my denomination. Come join my social reform. It's very obvious that he preached a person. And that's who we want people to have a relationship with, a person. I know we have FaceTime now. So maybe this analogy isn't that great. But long distance relationships are rather difficult. Maybe not nowadays. Because if you don't spend time with people. You're not going to have a relationship with them. When we preach Christ. We're preaching a relationship with a person. Who came to save you from your sins. And if you're saved. you know That's, that's happened. You've got to commune with him. And it's not a long distance relationship. You have the indwelt Holy Spirit. You have believers. Which is Christ's body, we have God's word. It should not be a long distance relationship. Well, well, God's all the way over there. God's all the way up in the third heaven, and it's just me down here. No, you have a real relationship with the person Jesus Christ. Commune with him. Pray to him. Fellowship that way with him. But our message, just like we see here in Acts chapter eight, it's the power of Christ. It's not the power. Of a political candidate or anything like that And Christ is the one who is exalted 1 Corinthians 2 1 Corinthians 2 verse 1 And I brethren When I came to you Came not with excellency of speech Or of wisdom Declaring unto you the testimony of God For I determined not to know anything among you Save Jesus Christ And him crucified And I was with you in weakness And in fear and in much trembling And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We preach Christ crucified. Anybody can understand that. And it's not a big Elaborated Whatever you want to call it Eloquent speech It's Christ crucified It's a simple message You've sinned? No I haven't Have you ever hated your brother? (laughs) You've sinned Yeah but I never killed anybody Well The Bible says all have sinned Can you Can you pick one thing that you did All week that was wrong? Well no Okay, let's ask you wife. Can you pick one thing that he did all week that was wrong? It's not hard to help people to point out that people are sinners. And until they know that, they just got the wisdom of the world. I'm okay. I'll be just fine. Got a self-help guru. Okay. All right, let's go back to Acts chapter 8 and verse number 7, 4. Unclean spirits, oh boy, crying with loud voices came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. That's some pretty good results. Get Ephesians chapter 2 and Luke chapter 19. You all know this verse, but just doing a Bible study, I'd like you all to turn there so we can look at it together. Verse number one, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Next chapter 8, you've got unclean spirits, and they're coming out of many. Lame people are healed. People with palsies are healed. All of that's happening. And great joy is in that city. You're not going to heal anybody of a physical infirmity. You're not going to heal somebody that has Paul's ear. But this whole world. And this spirit of Antichrist and the spirit of disobedience. God will quicken that man to never die again. And his soul will be saved. And that's the message of the gospel. And wouldn't it be great if revival like that broke out on, on the college campus or broke out in our county? And all of a sudden there's great joy that fills this town based on uh, based on scriptural joy. Man, that'd be great. And the more persecution heats up, don't count out. Don't don't start counting like it's the knockout, you know, 10, 9, 8. Oh, we only have a few more and then we're out of this thing. No. Let's dial it up and let's try to get the gospel out more. What's Luke 19? Luke 19. It says, verse number five. And when Jesus came, uh, Luke 19, 5, came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. You all know that verse. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. The Bible says, likewise, I say unto thee, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner, one sinner that repented. We can go all year and it could seem like if we measure results based on This is why people gather all these so-called professions of faith, and this is common with with fair ministries. Not all fair ministries, some. So don't see somebody doing a fair ministry and think, "Well, that's not right." No, it, it, you can't t- you can't take the gospel to the wrong address, okay? But you want to do it right, <laughs> so. How do you go to a fair, collect 200 professions of faith of salvation? And then the fair Saturday, 200 people got saved and none of them are in church. And the preachers all know this because when when the outsider comes into town and gets all these professions of salvation, he disperses the, 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 you know, the cards to the local churches and they call. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Oh, yeah, there was some guy that had me sit down and gave me a Bible, wrote a verse. and That doesn't bring joy to anybody. It doesn't bring joy to the Lord. And no, nobody's rejoicing in heaven because nobody repented. You've got to bring the light of the glorious gospel. And that means they need to know they're a sinner, know they need a Savior. And Jesus Christ is that Savior. And they came with haste, with joy. You would think, I understand that going to church ain't going to save anybody. I understand. But you would think if somebody got saved, they'd be thinking, let's see. If, I, if I'm if i hungry, I, I look up the restaurants on Google. My car is not running so good. I look up some mechanics. I want to learn karate. I look up, I find some karate. I got beat up. I want to learn some karate. They go on Google and they find, they start looking. You would think if somebody got saved, they'd go on Google and start looking. I wonder where I could go to learn some more about Jesus. Let's look at some churches. I mean, there should be some joy, some excitement of moving on, we're moving, moving up, we're getting, let's learn about this Jesus, let's live for him. Should be some joy. Verse number nine in Acts eight. But there was a certain man, man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery bad deal right there and bewitched the people of samaria giving out that himself was some great one to whom all to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest saying this man is the great power of god so simon's not a good man Bible says in the Old Testament, regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. It's been going on ever since. We can just see it way back in the Old Testament. He's a sorcerer. He's, He's bewitching people. And if you think that's not going on nowadays, you just need to turn on the news or we'll start seeing it happening. We don't get all the reports of what really happens on October thirty first, um, but it's Satan's day, always has been, and people want to dress up as sorcerers and witches, and, and you'll see. And if you've done these type of outreaches before, you'll see people that you know as a Christian, either by the testimony or you're assuming they're a Christian because you know, they say they go to the church or or, or whatever. Yet you'll see him dress up as a witch. They're not dressing up as an apostle. <laughs> pilgrim Baptist Church, let's all dress up as pilgrims. No, they're, they're they're getting ghosts and they're getting goblins and they're getting wizards and witches and death. I've got eternal life. Why? I don't know why you want to walk around like Dracula or Frankenstein. I've got life. My God gave me something to live for. But you see it all around. And they're gonna start messing around and playing with the you know with the Ouija board and and all of these, they're gonna do this little fun game of casting spells. It's all around us, it's all around us. Very, very fast growing religion amongst amongst youth. This idea of, of witchcraft. Simon the Sorcerer, verse number nine. You see, he was a very, very self exalting man, giving out that himself was some great one. Bible says in Luke 14. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Watch this though. We'll read two more verses. And we'll be done. We'll take a little break. Uh, verse number ten. To whom they all gave heed, from the least of the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. Verse eleven. And to him they had regard, because that a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself praised God; he believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wandered, beholding the miracles and signs which. Were done. Three thoughts. First thought is if you're saved, baptism doesn't save you. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ now shall be saved. But if you're saved, everybody got saved in the New Testament, they got baptized. So what should follow after you've been saved? You should be baptized. Not to not to keep your salvation, not to get your salvation. So baptism is something that is outward, it's physical, it doesn't give you eternal life. But everybody that believed in the Lord Jesus Christ did it. So that's, that's that. Amen. Looking for an amen. Probably <laughs> Kelly doesn't like to give amen, but sometimes we will just that's his amen. That'll work too. Make sure I know I'm on the right path here. All right, so baptism. Doesn't save you. The other thing is, isn't it interesting that in Acts, when we saw signed gifts, you've got Simon, a sorcerer, who's conjuring up all this kind of witchcraft stuff. He believed the Lord and wasn't looking for miracles to save him. Matter of fact, I think it. Let's go to John. Go to John. Let's get the sixth chapter of John. John 624. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took in ship, or, or took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou thither, hither? Then Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles. But because you did eat of the loaves And were filled Labor not for the meat Which perisheth, But for that meat which Endureth unto everlasting Life that's not going to be the physical Loaf of bread that we eat either Which the son of man Shall give unto you for him Hath God the father sealed. Jesus and people say Well I walked around with Jesus and if I saw what he Did and if I if I could have just been a part of that and seen all those miracles, man, I would have. You no, know, you wouldn't. Because the twelve for suckle, I think it's for. I think it's in that chapter, John six. Go to the end of John in verse sixty-six. From that time, many of the disciples went back and walked no more with him. He came into his own, his own, received him not. They put him on the cross. They crucified him. And all those people that lived during Jesus' earthly ministry saw all that he could do with the miracles. We don't need working power miracles right now. We need those that think they can work powers and miracles. We need to get the gospel to them so that they believe. And they will have a powerful testimony. And the last thought on Simon is this. Simon, he, he... Let's look one last thing and I'll be done Actually He lost his Reputation basically All that he's worked for his whole life When they believe uh, Verse 13 then Simon himself believed also And when he was baptized watch what it says He continued with Philip He gave up It tells me that he gave up the tarot card readings or whatever, all that sorcery stuff that he was doing, that's big money in there. Those people make big money. Nowadays, you look on TV or you drive through towns and you see these tarot card readings, especially now, this time of year, it's going to be big, 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 big. He continued with Philip. He gave up what he was doing because Jesus came and praise the Lord. So our message is simple. And it can change whosoever will. You just got to be willing to get it out there. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.